and welcome. This presentation is about the rapidly changing environment of recognizing information that had not been available before in the past. The game has changed. Now you get to control the experience called life. Are you ready? Do you want full access? If so, what will you do with it? And what does this really mean? With this 5D knowledge, you can take advantage of skill sets, allowing you to become more plugged in to the new game in town. Everyone is playing, whether they know it or not. So why not play and succeed? Learn to notice the circumstances around you that perhaps you have been unaware of before. My job is to lead you through this process. I've been teaching worldwide since 1994. My name is Maureen St. Germain, and I am so happy that you have joined me on this program. My work, teachings on the Akashic Records, the dimensions, and providing a higher self-training that is fast and easy, a protocol to achieve an on-demand, 100% accurate, higher self-connection is part of what I offer. Join us and stay tuned to Waking Up in 5D. We'll be right there with our next guest. Hi, and welcome to another episode of Waking Up in 5D Summit. Our very special guest today is Mia Sines. Mia is a love alchemist. As a third-generation metaphysical practitioner, Mia learned the wisdom of healing and prayer from her well-known grandmother. Mia is a self-love teacher for anyone who feels alone and yet dreams of knowing the joy of a love-soaked life. Through her work as a love teacher and coach, Mia has discovered the depth of love at all levels. Love truly is the goal the alchemists were seeking. Working through love changes the energy of your story and opens the connection to have all of life's purposes flow, which include love, money, and abundance. Mia works with people whose desire is to grow in their spiritual path building, a concrete foundation in all areas of life. Mia teaches love mastery and the spiritual elite with mystics and their natural gifts. In addition, Mia is also a media host and is the founder and editor-in-chief of Bella Mia Magazine, a transformational and a holistic living well magazine. Love changes the energy of your story. Welcome, Mia. Yay. Thank you, Maureen. It's a pleasure to be here. <laughs> so I lovely. agree. One of my favorite people. Um, and, you know, I think love is the energy of 5D. So, of course, okay. of course, yeah. we're a match for this summit. Yeah. And, you know, um, you, you've, really, you've really taken, like, the bull by the horns, you know, and, and tamed the bull, so to speak. So, you know, how, how do you start out with a life that loves you back? What is, what is that all about? You know, it's really interesting because um, it was one of my blind spots growing up and throughout my life. And a blind spot is simply something that we don't know. And so a life that loves you back is creating a life 
that supports you, nurtures you, and loves you, something that you're very proud of, something that you wake up each day excited to live. And most people say, oh, well, that's really kind of impossible. But we know on the spiritual level, those of us who are in this world, which is almost one billion, which is amazing, we know that we can create amazing things. Some people call it magic. Some people call it um, love. Some people call it the divine, the flow, everything. It's, it's literally about creating a magnificent experience that you're happy with. You know, I, I really like the sound of that. For years, I worked in corporate, the corporate world. And I had a job at one point where I was working with 90 women. And all the... Um, all the people on the executive team were very competitive and power brokers. You know, they were more male than than any women I had ever met. And right. I was so surprised to be in that environment with that kind of energy I wasn't expecting. And I started seeing a, saying a mantra that I would be in a job that everyone loved me as much as I loved them. And the very next job I had, still in corporate world, was that vibration. And everyone absolutely loved me in that job. And um, then the very next time, that, that when I left that job, then I went full-time into this spiritual side of work. And, of course, then, you know, your clients and, and your customers and the people who who follow you, for sure they love your work and they love being around you and they love what you have to offer and so it is entirely possible. You know, how did you it really is. discover that it was a blind spot? What what was your big aha on that? <laughs> well, anyone who knows my story or will learn my story knows that um, although I was born um, in such a um, I had a lot of advantages. My grandmother was this a metaphysical practitioner. My grandparents had um, come from, my grandfather had come from Italy and only had a fifth grade education and became a millionaire, lost it in the Depression, regrew his money. My grandmother was well-known in her right on her stuff, but I was born with this crazy mama, <laughs> this, this sweet, beautiful woman who I love today very much, um, was very uh, abusive physically and emotionally and mentally, the, the entire package. So my life, I was very introverted, uh, restrained, didn't express myself outward very much, very shy. And so I assumed that this is what my life was going to be like. And as I, I went through my life, what I discovered was there was not a lot of joy until I had my children. And then I understood what true love actually was like. And as I came through, even before my kids, with the self-love practices starting in my early 20s because I needed to get out of, I didn't realize that I had post-traumatic stress disorder. I didn't know what the heck that was because, you know, I was raised holistic and, and metaphysical. And so um, I didn't really realize that until all the talk later on. Um, Having my children and starting to study self-love made me realize that I needed to love myself as if I was a child, as if I was that that pure, that beautiful. And how did God see, see me? And I knew that God saw me in perfection, just as I saw my creator. 
But I still didn't get it until I started understanding what self-sabotage, the inner critic was saying, and I had to get those out of my experience. Um, you know, I believe you know, Maureen, my story where after 9-11, I had such a bad psychotic break that I was hospitalized for five weeks, which literally was the turning point in my life of claiming who I was of my transformation. And it was beautiful in the sense that the facility that I went to in, um, in Arizona was set up for celebrities and diplomats and all that. So that was nice. I was in a, a posh place. But what really was fantastic was they brought in the spiritual and they brought in the American Indian stuff. And it was so magnificent and it really put me on my path. Now it took that time from 9-11 until 2008 before I actually jumped into this life that I am now. I was, I was in a terrible accident where I was in a wheelchair. And in, that was in 2005. And in 2008, my doctor said, you need to get your affairs in order. You have less than two years to live. Whew. Every time I say that, it's just, it takes the wind out of me for a second. And that's the human side of me, and that's okay. So with that, I thought, wow, this is, you know, you have to get adjusted to that. You tell your family, your kids. And within a week, it was about my birthday. And that was the day, my birthday was my, this awakening into this lifetime where I got up and I saw, wow, okay, the light is coming in differently. I'm just going to enjoy it. It's here for my birthday. And I sat on the couch like I did every day because I couldn't move without my chair long distance. I had a cane in the house. I had a routine where I would get up and just sit on the couch to be with my children. They'd come and talk to me and sit with me for a couple hours. I'd go back to bed, and then in the afternoon, I was up again for two more hours. That was my life. It wasn't a life. So for me, I went from tragedy into um, seeing what my life literally could be like. I heard a voice. You know, I had my moment with God, and we all have several, and this was one of them, and I heard You've been unhappy your whole life. What would it be like to be happy? And with that, it was my birth. Yeah, isn't that powerful? With that, and it was my birthday, I can see myself saboteur across the room, myself on a stool going, "Uh uh-uh, we're not going to play this game. We're going to stay exactly where we are. You're going to be fine. At the very end, you're still going to be fine. You're not going to die. And I thought, forget it. This is my birthday. This This is the first example of putting me first in self-love, and I said, I'm going to play with this because God is talking to me. And so the message came, examine your life in all the areas that are important to you. Dream them, believe them, and then create it. So that's where my first process came from, Dream, Believe, Create, and it's in the book that I'm giving away to everybody. It's really powerful because as I examined my spiritual life, I knew I was had a lot of information, all this stuff, but I wanted to grow bigger. My family life, my kids were beautiful. I thought of them as magnificent, and I had always nurtured their soul. Well, what about me? And I also realized in that moment that I was with the wrong person. My husband was dead inside, and I wanted to live and be alive. Then when I looked at my body, I was like, here it is in this wheelchair. You have physical therapy four times a week um, for an hour and a half each time. You have to have somebody bathe you. You can't reach areas. You're, you've got paralysis, all this crazy stuff. And so when I could see myself moving with freedom and, and lightness and beauty and all this stuff, I was like, I'm jumping. This is it. I'm taking this life. And that's literally all it took for me 
is I wanted a life that I could love, that would love me back, that I could enjoy for the amount of time that I had. So for me, I got out of the wheelchair, I built my inner core, I found a program that helped me reduce um, weight loss so that I could move more freer. Um, I, it was crazy. Um, Publishers came to me and said, we've heard about your story. We want you to be in this book. So I became a self-published author soon, quickly after that, and got into coaching. My life literally changed. In seven months, my life had changed from um, literally being in a chair, immobile, to saying no to nothing, yes to anything my children wanted, wherever they wanted me to take them, uh, working out twice a day, eating right, being happy, I was a different person, and as people saw my body transform, a light, and, and myself, a light came out from inside and started to glow. I learned, even though I knew how to heal and things like that, I learned that I had a magnetic force about me, an energy that was more powerful than anything on the planet, and that, that stemmed from the divine. I knew that as a spiritual, an infinite spiritual being, that this came through me. I was more powerful in this state than I was in my human state, so I had to blend them. My life took off from there, as you can tell, and it was magnificent. So for me, a life that loves you back is a life that you can be happy about, a life that you enjoy, a life that you've created with consciousness and awareness and intention. And from after I, I left my husband shortly after that recognition, literally, I struggled because he hit our funds, our money, and all that. And I said, I don't care. I'm going to serve mankind and do God's work. This is what I'm here for. And I knew, like, I had, as if I was in a boat going on a river and I had one paddle, I knew how to paddle that boat. You know, I had to go through, it would have been better if I had two paddles at the time, but magically one appeared as I, as I grew each step of the way, each path I took, another one opened, another one opened, another one opened. And it's that trust and faith that we have within ourselves as creators that we can recreate any experience that we want. And so that's how I, I literally changed my life. And that, that is literally what um, a life that loves you back is like. It's something where you wake up happy. You hit the floor and you are happy. You're doing your love work and you are happy. It's not about um, not being able to, you know, to get through life. You you are a manifester. And I remember your story when you um, had to clean up a, a mess that your first husband left you. You got it done. It was about looking at it and diving in and working it. That's how life is. We have to dive in and work it no matter what it is. So why don't we do it in the right way, you know, in the spiritual way, in creating a life that is magnificent, not because, you know, I'm talking about um, spirituality, but because in the human form too, I want to feel better. I want to enjoy this experience. I want to have sensations of all kind, because that's my divine right in this human body. And no longer am I in a chair, and I haven't been since that time. And, you know, dance where high heels, you know, great fun. Great, great fun. Well, you know, it's, it's, um, it's quite interesting because I just did an interview, and someone asked me, well, what is it like to wake up in 5D? 
And one of the qualities, of course, is you do wake up happy. You look forward to whatever it is. And it doesn't mean that you're not going to have stuff happen. You're not going to have drama. But the difference is when you wake up happy and you've done, you created that life that loves you back, what happens is other people's drama doesn't affect you. I, you know, it's kind of like Neo in The Matrix when he saw those bullets coming in and he's stepping sideways and, mm-hmm. you know, jumping up. And you look at that and you think, wow, I didn't even know he could do that. And he didn't either. And that's the energy right. vibration. You don't know you can do it, but when you create that big, big energy of unconditional love inside of you. So how do you do that conscious self-love? Conscious self-love is any form of love and self-love, but with the conscious intention, with with the awareness that we're doing it for us because we are magnificent. If if somebody, if I'm talking to somebody, you know, obviously not you, but if I'm talking to somebody who is shaky on their idea of what um, their connection to the divine is, I would ask them, do you believe you have a soul? Yes, I do. Okay, great. So do you believe that you're from the God energy? Are you from God? Yes, I do. Wonderful. So that means you're an infinite spiritual being. And they pause and go, huh, that's pretty exciting. I'm an infinite spiritual being. Yes, you are. Now, can you imagine blending that with your body and being in charge? And this is just a vehicle that gets us from here to there. Oh, that's kind of interesting. Yeah, I can get there. I can see that. So as we create who we are, that's one perfect step to show our magnificence. We are magnificent simply because we are. It's our birthright. As an infinite spiritual being here on planet Earth in this human body, we are magnificent. So as we claim in, in the conscious awareness of who we are, we are divinely spiritual, we're infinite spiritual beings, we have greater power over anything else on this planet in a loving way. So that means that when we put our conscious awareness or, our, or the conscious intention of self-love, I am making my morning coffee, tea, or lemon water because I'm amazing. It's going to fill my body with so much yumminess because I'm nurturing myself. I'm doing it with the awareness that this is for me. This is to support me. People go through life with just doing it without even thinking. That's why we have problems with alcohol and certain foods and this and that because society has told us that this is okay. But when you look at it and you say, okay, so if I had 10 glasses of vodka at night, how would my body respond? And, of course, I went overboard there <laughs> to show the dramatization. You know, you'd be kind of wobbly and you'd be very sick. Is, is that good for your body? And then when you think about it going into your organs, no, it's not. So it's about, it's literally about what is best for you, but being aware of it in every step of the way. This is your life. So why not embrace every aspect of who you are? This is our experience to grow, to move through things, to possibly not even return to planet Earth unless we want to, um, to move on to other areas to experience with our soul. But the point is, is get it right now while you're here. You know, do the work so that you can grow and live the most amazing life that you were meant to live. Our soul is so great and, and vast that 
we're not here to not live life. We are here to live it in a very big way. So start with yourself. Understand, build that love, which builds that confidence, which builds that empowerment, which builds that strength and commitment, and move forward step by step. Everyone, you're doing well. You're taking these steps, you're doing well. Be gentle with yourself, but keep moving forward. And if you go backwards on your thought process and start to call yourself names, your inner critic comes in, it's okay. Just shut that down, close that door, do your affirmation, do your work that realigns your consciousness, realigns or realigns you to your consciousness so that you are thinking smooth thoughts for yourself. I oftentimes do just a simple, simple realigning for myself if I'm even slightly, slightly out of balance. And it's it's not mine. I took part of it from access consciousness, and I'm not an access consciousness person, but I have many friends who are. And it is everything good comes to me with ease, joy, and glory. Now, I don't go into the other stuff that, that access consciousness talks about because I know that when I say those words and I understand those words, that that's a huge for me, a huge abundance hit. Not everybody thinks and speaks the same way. So for me, that works. So find what works for you and just keep elevating your awareness. So now I want to talk about the inner child, but before we do, I want to tell a quick story. On one of the other summit interviews, I talked about um, um, my husband and his behavior my first day back, and a couple of days later I said to him, well, your five-year-old came out when you did that. And this is a five-day response because, number one, I wasn't uh, upset or annoyed when he did it. I just responded to his need. And it wasn't until a couple of days later when he was asking me about something for me that it occurred, it, you know, kind of came up. And I said, yeah, well, my five-year-old comes out, you know, I want to hang around in in a store and and shop a little and just kind of look at things because I like to look at things. And I said, Mm -hmm. you're not going to be happy if you take me to the store and I'm not ready to walk out right away. And that's when I said, and your five-year-old came out, you know, the other day when you demanded lunch on my first day back at my desk. And so um, (laughs) let's talk about the inner child. And, you know, I know you mean something very specific when you talk about the inner child and nurturing the inner child, but how do you look after the inner child? I look after the inner child by, um, and I recommend that people go to my site for the free video that I have. And if you request it, I'll send it to you for free, the inner child meditation process that I created, I think, 10 years ago. Um, But it's been redone on on an album, so I utilize that one now so it has better sound quality. Um, So the inner child is who we are that is the younger self. So I've gone in, and I have my client and the world, because I share this stuff openly with the world, um, I have us go in with a, a process that literally just relaxes us. So we're introduced to our younger self. And when we love and nurture that little being, it's a little child, just like our own little children. She, she, you know, I'm not a he, so I'm going to refer to all of this as she, but if you're a man listening, awesome, and just put he in there. She is, was very scared when she first met me, and most people say that their younger self is very timid to meet them. And I said, well, of course. Why is that? Because 
we need to go in and love her. We're first told that to be quiet, to go stand in the corner, to, to be seen and not heard, to, to think before we speak, all these negative things. So the younger self is very afraid. When we go in to support the younger self, what we're doing is we're re-raising it in love. We're changing the energy of all the stories so there's no more trauma, there's no more drama, and there's an emotional intelligent level that goes through us that is being built. So we have two operating systems. We have the adult matured us, and then we have the rebuilt emotional intelligent level, and they do work together intertwined to support us as an adult. The inner child is who we are. The inner child is the younger us. We have many different age groups, many different levels, but it's all the same. And as we go in and love her, for me, love her and support her, each time she sees me, since we had gone through all that stuff years ago, she is so happy, so joyous, so supported and loved. And I say to you, do not move on from each age group of your inner child until it's worked on and healed. There's many things for many different people in different age ranges. Some people have had something disruptive from three to five or six to seven or, you know, um, nine to nine and ten, eleven and twelve, whatever it is. Go in there, look at it, see what comes up first, and then also create a timeline if you have trauma and go in for that timeline. I'm going in at age seven to um, confront, to heal, to love my younger self about the, how do you um, know? my child how do, you know, how do you know that that's when you had a trauma? I mean, you might have buried it so deep you wouldn't know. Right. Well, as you begin to do any type of self-growth work, things start to open up, right? So things start to open up. So in our meditation, in our stillness time where we're reflecting, everything has to have self-reflection. So sometimes people say, oh, I have to do this work every single day, you know, this uh, inner child meditation process. And I say, no, please don't. Once a week is what I suggest because it has to integrate into us and information has to come back. So we're dealing with our ego, which is our subconscious, and we're pulling things out as well, besides from our regular, our mind. Um, and things do come up. And if they don't come up and they're not affecting you, let them go. You know, if you're not struggling with something, you don't have to dig for it unless you know that it's there or unless it presents itself. I never suggest for people to go you know, on an archaeological, on a archaeological dig within themselves to retrieve stuff that, that's not even, that's not even disturbing them or aware. It's, yes, it's buried, but if it's not affecting them, it doesn't really matter, does it? No, I guess. What matters is the beauty that we become and who we are. Yeah, I guess what I was really thinking is about a process that I developed that has to do with identifying a behavior that you have that you haven't been able to adjust. You recognize that you're behaving inappropriately in a situation, but every time it comes up, you still role play it out, even though you know better. And so I go in the other way, I go in the backwards way, and identify the behavior, and then uh, transform it in the alternate reality, and then reinstall it in the body, and then you're good to go. And I'll, I'll give you an example where I um, 
I had I had myself reacting every time the um, chairman of my board of directors would mention my children, you know, and I found myself feeling very defensive and, and you know, anger in me. And one day I asked, you know, do I have a problem with unresolved anger? And the answer was yes. So I did this reflective thing, but I did it in a very, very uh, specific step-by-step way. And I discovered there was an angry little boy in me running the show every time I got the feeling that I was being treated differently than the men were being treated. And I was pretty Mm -hmm. sure that my board chairman would not have said those things about my children if I were a man. And so the next time he said, oh, you can't go to that meeting, it's after dinner, you probably have to take care of your kids, I'll get someone else to go. And I remember thinking, I don't think you should be bringing my kids up. And I said something like, you know, I'll be there if I need to be there. And if I can't, I'll appoint a replacement. And I would really appreciate if you would not bring my children into it. Now, he's thinking he's being a nice guy. And my approach is, well, you don't have the, um, you don't have the, uh, uh, the real legal right to say these things this way to me. And I was, you know, like recoiling at it. So then the next time this happened and he said that, I looked at him and said, well, that was a little below the belt, don't you think? Now, what I had done in the alternate reality was to turn the angry little boy into a grown man who was balanced, both male and female. And the man in me spoke to the man in him. And that's a guy phrase. In my whole life, I've never said Mm -hmm. that to anybody. But he understood. (laughs) And I wasn't even angry. I was totally balanced, totally cool. So I didn't have to do a lot of inner work. I just did one session with myself, and that was that. It's entirely possible to have something that happened to you in a childhood that you don't know what started it. You don't know what caused it. So then I started asking because I was curious, not because of a need. And my um, my guidance came in and showed me a time that I was climbing a tree as a child. I grew up on a farm. We all worked and packed vegetables in the barn every day. We were in the barn at 7 a.m. and worked till 5 every day. So... I'm climbing this tree, and my dad comes along and says, you have to get down. And I said, why? And he said, well, I don't want you to get hurt. And I said, well, my brothers are in this tree all the time. And he said, yeah, but they're boys. And that's when I created an angry little boy who wanted to make sure she got her fair share of the good stuff. So what I'm suggesting is there might be instances that you don't even know hit you. I agree with you. I agree with you. And that is true. But we are starting, I, I'm starting with the people who are, who are transitioning. You're already established in your belief systems and you know what's right. So yes, in that, in that aspect, you simply can exactly what you did, address that feeling, figure out what it is and shift it. I shift things all the time. If I discover that I have a behavior that I don't like or something's coming up, I do mine slightly differently, but it's gone because I refuse to be in that space because I see myself in the complete woman that I already am in this divine, you know, this human divinity. So it's similar in the sense that you're not allowing it to move forward. And yes, it can be healed within one, with one episode. And I like that (laughs) that yours came out as a response, right? That, yeah probably blew him off his socks because he understood it. <laughs> right, that but he was wasn't even here from a woman. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, it's true. I hadn't thought about yeah. it from that vantage point, but it definitely stopped that whole that whole issue. 
So, yeah. That's right. Um, <laughs> Wonderful. Yeah. So um, this kind of this kind of moves us right through to, um, you know, how do you master your thinking to gain what you want? I mean, we've talked a lot about willpower. We've talked a lot about, you know, making the decision. But but how do you get past the decision process to to you know moving it through you as a willful choice? Well, the amazing thing about being human is we do have free will, right? So we can create or change or do whatever we want. For me on mastering beliefs and how I teach it and how I live it and how I see it is literally when I'm looking at something that's disruptive to me or not beneficial, so let's give it, um, let's just say in a relationship because most people can identify that with that. Say you have someone that broke up with you and you're yeah. upset, right? And so right. you're being triggered because you miss them or you love them or a song hits you or something like that. So okay. you go with the aspect of, you know, I'm, I'm hearing a song and all of a sudden I'm brought into this, this frustrating period with, with this person that I loved. I would look at it. First, I would identify, I don't want to feel that way, right? That's the number one. How do I shift and change it? Well, one, I'm telling myself, you are not going to think this way. So literally, it is a powerful sense. It's, I don't consider that willpower. I consider it overriding what was already there. So I'm not allowing you, maybe it's the stage that I'm at, but I'm not allowing you to think that way. And then I go into my clearing statements on the other person where I literally um, destroy and uncreate this relationship with so-and-so from rejections, projections, expectations, and judgments I may have. And I also, of course, because that's just me throwing, or they may have, you know, if it's, a, if it's a specific person. So as we see that, we start to get a lightness, and we realize we don't want to or I don't want to feel that way. Every time, so I ask, I say, every time this starts to come up, please let me know. Identify something with me so it's not running around in my subconscious. Allow it out so that I can heal this, so I can uh, change this. And so if something came up again, I'm on top of it to shift my mind. What that does for me and what that does when I train people to do this is it's moving that energy of that sadness, depression, anger, fear, whatever it is, it's moving it away. And so it's kind of muting out that anger because I can see that I don't have to feel that way because things are a choice to us on the human level. And this is something that the everyday person may not see as a choice because they don't believe that they're powerful enough to change their thought beliefs, but we are. And through the love work that we do, we are changing us on a structurally DNA cellular level anyways. We're changing the anger, the fear, the angst, everything out of us. So as we see the mindset part of changing it, it automatically comes in because I could be realizing, oh, that's a behavior like my mom. Okay. I really am not going to accept that behavior because that's not my belief system that was put on me by her. And I've gone through and I've recreated who I am, at least on a 99 or 95% level. Yeah, I think this is fabulous. What I want to do is push the envelope in the same, in the direction that you kind of pushed me. You know, what if you're in this awful place where you did have a breakup, but you, 
didn't want it to happen. Maybe you're the person that's being um, left behind or you're the person that is looking at this relation saying, you know, I thought everything was fine. And so you're not the person that's looking at it saying it's not working for me. And the thing I call it is you're so unhappy that you want to be unhappy. It's like, don't make me do anything. I want to be miserable because I'm so mad and so hurt and so missing my beloved or, you know, like that kind of energy, like that, that negative spiral. How do you pull out of that? Well, I've had that twice in between two husbands. <laughs> I'm sure the you two, have. The, the, two, the two deep relationships that I was in, I still love those men today. I'm actually still friendly with them. Um, you know, we don't go out to dinner. Well, sometimes we do because it's been years. But it was, it was painful, and I had to see it. And what, what really happened was as I worked through the pain, so first of all, I identified years ago that I did not want to suffer anymore in my life. I didn't want pain. So when they left me, of course, like the first one, when he left, he left on my birthday. On my birthday. Oh. He didn't show up for my birthday. I cried the entire night. And what his oh. response was when he called me again was to say, I am sorry, I am suffering, and I have I'm in a dark hole, and this I really suck for doing this, and I'm so sorry. And at that point, I knew that we were through. That was my part. Whether he was through or not, that was my part. I loved him. I felt like he was actually the first person that I identified as, as traveling through time, you know, the soul that I've been with. And so it really hit me hard. Oh, my God, my soulmate's gone, blah, 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 blah. So I had to look oh. at it, and, and it, took me, it took me, I was in the dark night of my soul for a year. I lost our baby, all this stuff. And so wow, it was Wow, this is big. This is just, really big. This is good. It's, this is it's good very job. big. It's very big. And so um, how did I want to be? I actually had to call in my angel, besides Archangel Michael, but Ezekiel, who's my, my angel, I didn't know his name at the time, I found out years later through channels, through Archangel Michael, that he was Ezekiel. But I knew I had an angel because I was told by my spiritual teacher at the time, she said, you have this beautiful big angel on your right side, do you know that? And I said, is it my dad? And she said, no, he's on your left. And I'm like, yay! <laughs> so I literally called him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I knew I was loved, right? <laughs> right there, I'm loved. Yeah, but, yeah, but you're still in this dark place. I want to know what happened. How'd you, right. how'd you get so that's, that's all that? So that's what I'm going to share, yes. So it literally was about a year to the, uh, a month, you know, so like 11 months where I literally thought I was going to die. I finally yeah. said, I cannot take another breath, another moment, that's it. And I was living in uh, Culver City in the restaurant district. And so we kept our, um, there were only four of us who lived in town, which was very cool. Um, and I was in a loft. And I had the breeze blowing from the beach down. But I still had lots of fans. In West L.A., we normally don't have, unless you have a posh, posh new home, you normally don't have um, central A.C. So right. I have all this air blowing on me. And, and I say, I cannot survive another night. If you're here, Ezekiel, well, I called him Angelo at the time. If you're here, Angelo, you know, for Angel in, in Italian, if you're here, Angelo, just hold me, just hold me. And I tell you, this makes me emotional. I tell you, across my shoulders and part of my back was still. I could feel the fans blowing up on top and underneath, and but it was still. There was no air. And I, 
in that moment, I knew again, it was one of my moments with the divine, that I would be okay, that I had love at my back. So I would look at the situation from then on. I, I did shift a lot. I mean, literally a lot of my... Um, my abilities as a mystic popped out like the next day, soul reading, all this stuff. I mean, it was really freaky. Um, so it was, it was coming through one door into another. I had oh, to by the keep way, working. That, I mean, that's, that's the key. When we go through, and this is this kind of a reframe of what you're telling us, is we're literally going from our 3D way of life and belief into the void of the fourth dimension, which is all about emotion. You're in this big emotional state, and this big emotional state opens us up to this higher dimension. And all you did was ask, and it is the ask, the willingness to say, I need help. Where are my angels? I need you guys now. And I think that that's like the major, major shift Mm -hmm. that you have identified for us that anyone can do. Yeah, it was opening, wasn't it? It was just surrendering and opening to what what was yeah. there. Yes, absolutely. And then, and then the proof that and you then, shared with you could feel it. Mhm. I yeah. could feel it, and it was really powerful. Um, it was it was crazy because the next day I had actually a scheduled uh, retreat that I was going on a spiritual one where we were going to in Ojai, California, um, feel the different. Well, for me, it's feeling but be at the different energetic locations. And so with that and the night before and everything else, <laughs> I literally was like on fire, right? And so I decided that I would not tolerate this unhappiness in my life. Well, a month later, not even a month later, I had um, my current husband has sent me a friend request on Facebook. So I'm like, I'm through. I mean, I just put out to the universe. I'm through. When it's time, bring me the right man, and I'm going to work it. Well, I got a friend request a few days later, and I watched this man for at least a month before I actually wrote him and said, I'm very intrigued by you. Can we have a conversation? And I don't have to say anything else from there because we know that I married him and all that kind of stuff. But what's interesting uh. is a month, la- a month later, the old boyfriend came back in to be the boyfriend, and I said, no. So again, I had to go above what I knew into where I wanted to go. So it's like anyone who is training for an, for an athletic event or for a mass event or something, you have to go above what you already know. You have to reach out to where you want to go and not stay at the level you are. So it was very powerful. Now, I have to say, I do love this man. I loved his little girl. You know, I loved his daughter. So we kind of were a family. Um, But I knew it wasn't right for me. I knew he wasn't right for me. He was at the time. He helped me grow, and he threw me into another element of who I am, which or helped helped assist, which is great. So when I thought in the in the framework of love and forgiveness. Everything changed for me. Now, does it mean that I have to accept that it was okay? Do I want to see him hugging and kissing on another woman? No, I don't need to do any of that. None of us do. It's about what's smart for us. We do all sorts of crazy things to traumatize ourselves, you know, in the human level. Like a lot of women will go stalking their ex-boyfriend to look at their pictures. You can't do that stuff, ladies. You gotta stay strong. <laughs> stay out of, stay out of the drama. So 
it didn't take a short time. Yes, I met my husband and it was fabulous, but there was an underlying still love of this man. And so well, I had I to work through it. Love. Yeah, I don't know how you could not love a soulmate. I have had soulmates as well that I love mm-hmm. to this day, even though I'm not with those people, you know, and that's okay. Right, exactly. And yes, because love just changes form. It doesn't leave. If it's love, we just change the form. We change from lover into someone we love. You know, it doesn't mean that we're going to be sleeping with them. It means that we love them, we give them their space, and we go about our own business having a great time at life. You're right. We don't dis, we don't hate them because we're not with them. I mean, that's not love, right? So it literally is about what, what will love do? When I, I ask people when they're confused on stuff, I say, okay, so step into the place of love and ask yourself, what would love do? Now, love is divine. So what would love do? And, and operate from that level, whether it's an email to somebody or whether you're talking to a friend you're mad at or family member, or whatever it is, what would love do? Somebody on the street who's homeless, who's asking for money, what would love do? If you don't have enough to give, you don't give. If you have an excess amount, hand them something. If you know that they're going to utilize it, or buy them a meal and give that to them. I I do that quite frequently. I'll ask them, what would you like to eat? And they'll tell me, and I'll get it, and I'll hand it to them. And I'll say, enjoy it, and I'll walk away. Because they, most of the time, if somebody doesn't have a home, they do need food. But if I didn't have it to give, I wouldn't be able to give, and I shouldn't. Um, the idea of giving beyond what I have, we are not supposed to do that either. We need to fill ourselves up first, be completely full, so we can help others. And I'm not talking about food, everyone. I'm talking about our energy supply. I'm talking about if you are struggling with money right now, then if you have $2 in your wallet, you can give one away. But if you need that $2 for your next meal, then obviously it's not smart to give that away. You send them with the blessings that you know that they will be taken care of, and that's it. So it's literally what we love to do in any situation. and, And by asking that question, we're actually creating an awareness that this is the vibration of 5D. What would love do? Because one of the things okay. that I say to people is, if you're trying to figure out what it's like to be in 5D, remember a time when you've been in love and you first fall in love. And then, you know, you're in L.A. traffic, as we talked about. It's so crazy sometimes. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if somebody pulls out in front of you or does something wacky, you go, oh, they must be having a bad day. You know, you don't even get upset. You're just allowing. Right. And, and con- right. That's being in love, and that's what love would do. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is what being in 5D is all about. I am so happy that we've had this amazing interview. And, Mia, your story, especially the big reveal, it's pretty impressive. You know, you, you really walk your talk. And it is such a pleasure to have such a treasure as you. So any last words you'd like to share with our audience? Yes. You are not alone. Don't ever think you're alone. And also remember to view yourself the way God would view you. You are marvelous. You're magnificent. And you are deeply, deeply loved. And that's what I want people to to hold in their heart.
Thank you so much. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And thank you, Mia. You've been listening to Mia. Thank you. And this is an episode of Waking Up in 5D Summit. Stay tuned for the next one. Looking forward to seeing you there.